0: welcome to velocity church we are so glad you chose to join us today and if this is your first time here at velocity we want to say thank you for taking time out of your schedule to join us and we want you to know that we believe this worship experience will help you move forward from wherever you're joining us we also want to give a huge shout out to everyone who is hosting a watch party right now and to all of our team that are safely gathering together and we are so thankful for all of you who are on our teams and can't wait to have you back serving our city at our Sunday gathering soon. And we appreciate all you do to restore hope, create belonging, and to make a difference in the lives of so many. Now, I want to take just a minute to introduce myself. My, my name is Andrew Shaw, and my wife Heather and I have the great privilege of helping pastors Justin and Marissa to lead one of our two campuses here at Velocity. And before we jump into the message today, I want to start with this thought, that crisis doesn't build character, it reveals it. Now, I don't have to remind you about all that's going on with the state of the world right now, but what I do want to remind you of is how lucky we are to have the pastors we have to lead us through it. And what this season has revealed about our pastors is how deeply they care about you, how deeply they care about restoring hope in a hopeless time, and how deeply they care about making our city and making our nation look more and more like heaven. And while most leaders might shrink back in a season of crisis, our pastors are leading with boldness, they're leading with growth and vulnerability, And I want to start just by saying thank you and by honoring pastors Justin and Marissa. And if you would, post in the chat right now saying thank you for how our pastors have led in this season. Well, we are in week two of a series called Naked and Unafraid. And we're basing this series off an amazing book that is written by Pastor Kevin Gerald. And what we're learning in this series is that to reach our full potential of who God is calling us to be, it's crucial that we live out of a place of vulnerability. And last week, what a message. We looked at the story of King David's life that in the Old Testament where he put himself out there and was celebrating and dancing in the street while his wife was criticizing him while she watched him from the window. We learn that we can have one of two postures. We can either be window watchers or street dancers. We can either live a life of observation or participation. And what we're going to unpack this week is how we make the move from being window watchers into street dancers. And what is getting in the way of living a life of participation. And that brings us to our main scripture for today, which is out of 2 Corinthians Chapter 6, verse 11 through 13. And this is written by the Apostle Paul, and he was writing to the church in Corinth that was struggling with the same thing we're going to be talking about today. It says this, Dear, dear Corinthians, I can't tell you how much I long for you to enter this wide open and spacious life. We didn't fence you in. The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small but you're living them in a small way. And I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. And what the Apostle Paul was writing and telling the church in Corinth and what God is telling us today is that to live a life that is open, expansive, and big, we have to abandon smallness. And to learn how we can abandon the smallness in us and around us we are going to look at one of the biggest moments in David's life when he took on Goliath. Now because this is one of the most well-known moments in all of the Bible and history I don't want to focus on the big moment where, spoiler alert, David defeats Goliath. Rather what I want us to look at look at today is what David did to prepare for the vulnerability for the moment and what vulnerability produced. And the story starts with David in his teens at work as a shepherd for his father, Jesse. His dad then sends him on a small errand to bring lunch to his brothers who were on the battlefield. Now, when David got to his brothers on the front lines, Goliath came out and started to taunt Israel's army like he had done for 40 days. David, hearing this taunt and challenge for the first time, was taken aback and asked the men around him, who this Philistine was to challenge the armies of the living God, and what would be given to the person who defeated him. And this is what it says in 1 Samuel chapter 17, verses 28 and 29. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave these few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. This is brotherly love right here. You come down only to watch the battle. David said, Now what have I done? Can't I even speak? And for a moment, I want to focus on what David's brother said. And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? And that brings me to the title of my message today, Leaving Little Behind. Now, There are a lot of things that my wife and I are are on opposite ends of the spectrum with, but one particular area of our life where our differences are extremely evident is traveling. And this is true from really small trips to really big trips. For example, even going out to dinner, I would rather go to the same tried and true restaurant and order the same tried and true meal. Heather, on the other hand, knows literally every new restaurant that has opened in the last two years within a hundred mile radius and wants to order three different dishes from each one so we can try everything. Now, the same is true for driving and navigation. Now, I would put myself up against anyone as the best passenger seat navigator that ever was. Is there a turn in the next five miles? That's all you're going to hear about for the next five minutes in every 30 seconds <laughs> where if Heather is in charge of the GPS we have a great ending point but who knows if we're gonna make the right turns to get there and where I struggle with the destination Heather struggles with the directions and we can be living in smallness with our disciplines and we can be living with smallness in our dreams and I love how Paul puts it in second Corinthians chapter 6 The smallness you feel comes from within you. Your lives aren't small, but you're living them in a small way. Which brings me to my first point. If we're going to abandon smallness, we need to find moments in the mundane. Now, leading up to the huge moment with Goliath, David modeled how to leave little behind and step out in vulnerability if you remember, David's brother Eliab told him on the front lines, what have you, what have you, why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? And maybe you're like me, and you feel like David in this moment. You feel like you are destined for something great, but you've been assigned something menial. Maybe you want to write a book that helps thousands of people, but right now you're writing Instagram posts, with 10 likes. And maybe you want to be generous and give away a million dollars someday, but you can barely afford to get your friend a gift card. And maybe for you, you want to write a song that affects change across the world, but you find yourself printing chord sheets and wrapping cables. And what Eliab said about David's current assignment is a lot of times what we say to ourselves We don't see how being faithful with the small things right now leads to being fruitful in the big things later. And what we don't see is it's not that your task, your job, our generosity is small. It's that we're doing it in a small way. We're doing it with a small mindset. And David modeled how to abandon that small mindset when he said this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 34 through 37. Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or a bear came and carried off a sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair and struck it and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defied the armies of the living God. The Lord who rescued me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will rescue me from the hand of the Philistine. And what this shows us is that what we see as pedestrian, God sees as preparation. And Jesus said it this way in Luke 16, verse 10. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will be also be dishonest with much. So to abandon smallness in our disciplines, we have to see them as development. But we don't just have to abandon smallness in our directions. We also have to abandon smallness in our destinations. The thing that I noticed in David's story this week is just one chapter earlier in 1 Samuel chapter 16. David was told that he was destined to be king, but then he went right back out to the few sheep he was in charge of. And that is the tension of abandoning smallness in our dreams. Which brings me to my second point. We need to have friction in our futures. And if we're honest, it's so hard to keep dreaming and believing for bigger destinations when what we are in charge of looks so little right now. For me, I was convicted this week because I looked at the goals and the dreams in my life and realized they are way too small. And way too comfortable there was no tension there was no friction in the goals that I was trying to achieve and oftentimes we get stuck in smallness because it's easier than the friction of dreaming for a bigger future but what I want to remind us of today is that we serve a God who has bigger dreams for us than we do for ourselves I want to remind you today that our God wants to do immeasurably more than all we could ask or imagine. God's not intimidated by our big requests as much as He's insulted by our small ones. So, I want to encourage you to dream again. To ask God for a destination so big that you would be scared to tell someone about it. And when we start to abandon smallness, when we dream bigger, And when we do tell someone about about it, we are bound to get criticism. I also want to point out who was the one that ridiculed David. It was his older, oldest brother, Eliab, who tried to keep him in his smallness. And what struck me about that, in the chapter before David and Goliath, when Samuel came to anoint the next king of Israel, David's oldest brother, Eliab, was the one that most of us would have chosen. And he was the one that Samuel wanted to choose to be the king. In 1 Samuel 16, 6-7, it says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab and thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. The Lord does not look at the things people look at. People look at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. And it was that day that Eliab saw that David was destined for great things. And what I found, and what we can see in this text, is that people who are stuck in their smallness don't like to see other people dream big. And Eliab's insecurity the day he wasn't chosen later turned into resentment on the battlefield. And what does that mean for us as we dream bigger? It means The people who don't have the heart for where we're going are going to try to talk you out of the seed that God is sowing. So abandoning smallness in our dreams means we have to have friction in our futures. And when God chose David over Eliab, I couldn't help but stop on verse 7. It says, do not consider his appearance or his height, for I have rejected him. And Eliab was exactly what the world wanted to see in a king. He was tall, he was handsome, he probably reminded Samuel of Saul, who also looked the part of a king. They were what was expected, the perfect standard for culture around them. And you can also start to see the expectations that are being put on David that could have made him stay in smallness right before he was about to go out to meet Goliath on the battlefield. And you can see this in 1 Samuel chapter 17, 38 and 39. Then Saul dressed David in his own tunic. He put a coat of armor on him and a bronze helmet on his head. David fastened on his sword over the tunic and tried walking around because he was not used to them. I I cannot go in these, he said to Saul, because I am not used to them. So he took them off. And it doesn't take us very long to see that We live in a culture and a time where the prevailing expectations around us make us feel like we need to put on an armor that we were never meant to wear. And that brings me to my last point. That if we're going to embrace vulnerability and be all that we're meant to be, we have to shed shame. Now this made me think of a time in my life when I was around five or six. And when I was a kid, it was not uncommon for me to take trips to Hallmark with my mom. Now, my mom is awesome and incredibly thoughtful. And she is the type of person that has a card for every occasion imaginable in a box at our house. So you have a grandson that just graduated high school. She's got a card for that. You are celebrating Flag Day. I haven't looked, but she probably has a card for that. And I remember this trip to Hallmark with my mom, clear as day. She was checking out her cards at the front counter, and I was the perfect height at the time to have the Ghirardelli chocolate squares below the counter right in front of me. And without even thinking about it, I grabbed a chocolate square and put it in the waistband of my elastic shorts because I didn't have pockets. And all the way to the car, all the way home in the car, my face was bright red and I was drenched in sweat and immediately when I got home I sprinted to my room and closed the door. I opened the wrapper and it was completely melted from being in my waistband. So there I was completely drenched in sweat alone licking the melted chocolate off of a wrapper in shame. Now I can already feel your judgment coming through the camera but Man, this feels incredible to get this off my chest. I've had this armor of what I thought someone else would be thinking of me for nearly 25 years, and I am just now taking this off. It feels incredible. Now, Mom and Hallmark, I hope you'll forgive me. (laughs) Now, that picture of me alone and ashamed in my room is so often what we look like when we feel unworthy and when we feel the shame of our past. We put on armor that doesn't even fit us to protect ourselves from something we've already been forgiven for. Now, the definition of shame is the feeling or the experience of believing we are flawed and therefore unworthy of acceptance and belonging. The antidote for shame is exactly what David did in this story. He shed the expectations of the world around him that were holding him back. He went out to do what he was called to do without any armor. He walked out on the field against Goliath completely vulnerable. And Paul said it this way in our main verse from today. I'm speaking as plainly as I can and with great affection. Open up your lives. Live openly and expansively. So to live a life where we are leaving little behind, We have to find moments in the mundane, friction in our future, but we also have to shed shame. And for me, I always thought that the story ended there. David took off Saul's armor. He he went out and defeated Goliath. The Philistines saw their champion was defeated and ran away, giving the Israelites the victory. But my mind was blown when I read the first part of the very next chapter. This is 1 Samuel chapter 18, 2 through 4. From that day, Saul kept David with him and did not let him return home to his family. And Jonathan, Saul's son, the king's son, made a covenant with David because he loved him as himself. Now, Jonathan took off the robe he was wearing and gave it to David, along with his tunic and even his sword, his bow and his belt. When David stepped out in vulnerability and did what he was called to do, he didn't just keep wearing his old clothes, his old shepherd's uniform. He was giving something new to wear. And David was brought before King Saul, and the king's son gave him royal robes and armor. And what that was a symbol for and what that can be a symbol for for you is is the son's love for him and him being adopted into the royal family. It was an invitation to leave little behind. Abandoning the expectations of yourself or the expectations of others is an incredible step. But I want to tell you today that there is more than just what you're wearing right now or what you have just abandoned. The truth is, we all have armor that we put on that tries to cover up our mistakes and our past. When we take a step of vulnerability and we shed that, I want to tell you that there is something better to pick up and put on. Jesus wants so desperately to give you his robe to wear today. And we often get it backwards with God. Yes, God absolutely wants the best for your life. He he wants to give you a bigger, more fulfilling life, but first, He just wants our hearts. We get it wrong because we project what people's perfect expectations are of us or our own perfectionism, and we think we need to have everything in our life figured out before we can be vulnerable with God. When what God wanted you to know all along is that you belong and you are accepted even before you believe and scripture says that while we were still sinners he sent his son for us why because god doesn't look at the outward appearance he looks at the heart god wants your heart now why is jesus's robe so significant Jesus lived the perfect life and became sin for us as the perfect sacrifice on the cross. God raised Him from the dead so that anyone who calls on His name would be completely forgiven. You are made completely new. A fresh start. So maybe that's you. You recognize that Jesus is not first in your life. Today, you can make Him first. Make Him Lord. And this robe that you're picking up means that you are accepted. You are worthy of love. You are worthy of a second chance. And it means you don't have to wear your old life of shame and your old life of sin anymore. You can shed that today and put on something new. Now, if that's you today, and you need to rededicate or dedicate your life to Christ, I want to invite you to click the banner that is right underneath the screen to let us know that you're making that decision. But more importantly, I want to take a moment to lead you in a prayer. And here at Velocity, no one prays this prayer alone. So no matter where you are, let's pray this aloud after me. Heavenly Father, I surrender to you. I turn from my sin and I turn toward Jesus. Jesus be first, the Savior and the Lord of my life. Fill me with your spirit so I can follow you, so I can live for you. My life is not mine. I give it all to you. Thank you for new life. Now you have mine. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.